0: If you think you could never be vegan, you're in the right place. And if you think there's something big that you'd really like to do, but it's probably too late, you're in the right place. My name is Michelle Olander. I think there has never been a more important time, never been more reasons to move in a vegan direction. So I'm here every week to cheer you on and show you how to veg your best. Episode 152, For Fork's Sake, with author Rachel Brown. Hello, my your bestie. Hello, first day of August. First day of August, at least when this episode comes out, August 1, 2023. And you know... um, August is not typically my favorite month. All the things I thought I had all summer to accomplish, well, actually that mental construct is tick, 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 talking, uh, rapidly disappearing. I'm really, um, I'm starting to panic when I look at the list of things I wanted to do this summer. Now, the days are still long, but if you're someone who spends a lot of time looking at the sun, the days are getting noticeably shorter. Now, I used to go crazy when my dad would say that years ago, but... Here I am doing the same thing. And then there are the weeds. The weeds in my garden are at their worst in August. And I've said it before, geek alert, August was known as the weed month as far back as the eighth century, probably earlier. And I won't try and pronounce it in old English, but it was written, written, actually written down by the venerable bead, the Anglo-Saxon chronicler and scholar. How about that? The weed month. And the weeds, intense in my garden right now, and it's hot, and it's buggy to try and deal with them. But that's uh, that's neither here nor there, just a glimpse of my to-do list for this month. The podcast always comes out, but sometimes those weeds don't get dealt with. Now, back to what we're here for. If there's anything I have tried to get across over 152 consecutive weekly episodes, it's that limiting and eliminating the consumption of animal products looks a little different for everyone. And everyone comes to the decision to move in that direction in a slightly different way. There are different precipitating ideas and crises and and issues for everyone. Though, they tend to fall in three basic camps. One, door one that they come through, ethics and compassion. Door number two, more and more, this is the the door. Uh, People are compelled by environmental reasons. And door number three, health. And now I personally don't care what door anyone enters through, whatever reason gets them to break through all the cultural conditioning and make different choices, make positive choices, because it doesn't matter whatever the precipitating event is, I think it's win, win, win. Now, today's guest is Rachel Brown, and she has entered this space through the health door. Rachel's helping people see the value for themselves and their families of a whole food, plant-based diet. Uh, Rachel Brown is the author of a book that came out uh, last fall, For Fork's Sake, For Fork's Sake, A 10-Day Guide to Healthier, Happier Eating. Rachel also has her plant-based nutrition certificate from the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies at Cornell, a great program I also went through. Um, And her story is fascinating. After being diagnosed with high cholesterol in her 20s, Rachel discovered the China study and started exploring the science behind a whole food plant-based diet. And after just a uh, couple weeks of eating that way, her cholesterol dropped and you're going to hear all about that. This discovery sparked Rachel's journey with her family away from the standard American diet to a whole food plant-based and yes, no oil lifestyle. And in her book, For Fork's Sake, as well as in today's interview, Rachel's going to share her family's transition story, as well as very practical tips and tricks to simplify that science behind the way of eating. You can easily get it on her website, but you'll get more today's interview and uh, in her book, a complete 10 day plan to help readers kickstart healthier, happier eating for themselves and for their families. And I think you're gonna hear that Rachel's approach is realistic. You do not need to move to an ashram. She knows changing your diet can feel drastic, but it doesn't have to be drastic. Her goal is to empower you, to empower others, to make a transition at their own pace. And uh, at her website, you'll see you can sign up for a free guide um, for inexpensive, easy plant-based substitutions. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just talk to Rachel. Rachel Brown, author of For Fork's Sake. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Michelle. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you are because we we have a lot to talk about. You are um, a new author, which is Awesome. And I totally, totally, all I want to do is just applaud you all day for having finished that and got it out into the world. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's talk about a little bit about your process of writing the book before we before we finish today. But mostly, I love the title for Forks Sake, in case anybody with children is listening and thinks I said something different. It's F-O-R-K apostrophe (laughs) sake. And um, you've, you've written a great book about how we can maybe even in 10 days go from a sad diet, the standard American diet to a happy one, which is why don't you tell me what happy stands for?
1: Sure. Healthy and plant powered. Yay. Yay. You know, whole food, plant-based, no oil doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. So I thought the SAD to happy was a little bit easier to grasp. That's great. I think that's very good
0: because I think a lot of us do know that acronym now, SAD, Standard Mm -hmm. uh, American Diet. So tell me, let's start with a little bit about your, uh, I've read your book and I'd like to know, maybe our our listeners like to know a little bit more about what got you to HAPPY.
1: Yeah, you know, I grew up eating what I thought was a pretty healthy diet, a healthy standard American diet. My mom was mostly vegetarian, so we had some fish and um, some meat, but we always had a big veggie garden and had vegetables and fruit with every meal, but I had high cholesterol in my early 20s, and I was very active, always in sports, a big hiker, rock climber, cyclist, and um, so it was concerning, and also my dad had been on high cholesterol medication which as long as I could remember. And he would have these odd side effects, like lose his taste or something like that and have to go on a new medication. So I knew I didn't wanna go on medication. Um, So I would, you know, my doctors would say, cut back on cheese and eggs, and I would do that. And then my cholesterol would creep right back up. So that was concerning. And then in my late 20s, my nephew was diagnosed with cancer. He was five years old at the time and his mom was in nursing school And she had a professor who asked her if she looked at the role of nutrition in cancer. And they had their own hobby farm. She had taught me how to pull mozzarella cheese the summer before. Uh, They had chickens. We had chickens. They had all kinds of animals, also a big garden. But they changed their diet literally overnight. And she suggested I read the China study. And I read that book, and honestly, I was angry at the end of it, because nobody had told me this life-changing information. And that really started us on our journey. Um, We watched Forks Over Knives, and then we decided, uh, my husband and I, our kids were six and eight, so young family, Uh, let's try this for 10 days. So we cut out the animal products. We cut out the oil. We even cut out coffee. And now I'm not sure why we did that (laughs) because that made it more difficult. Um, But, you know, we got our blood work and we changed the way we were eating for 10 days. And I couldn't get back in for my second blood draw for 17 days. But when I went in, my doctor said, I don't know what you did, but whatever you do, keep doing it because your cholesterol dropped 50 points. And I couldn't do that with medication. So that was both good news and bad news. The good news was this really worked. Changing just what we were putting in our mouths uh, changed our blood work. Um, But the bad news was, you know, with kids six and eight, like this was gonna be a whole new way of living and eating. And I didn't wanna spend all my time in the kitchen and I didn't wanna spend a ton of money, you know, buying new foods and all of that. So uh, that was really what started it all for us.
0: And so now you have a way of helping us Maybe mimic in a, a small way your 10-day plan. And I see that you recommend also for uh, if there are strong health reasons why someone is looking for it to to begin with a, a blood draw. And you talk about um, how we can help ourselves see if it matters. So often people try without actual data for health things. And then they're like, well, I don't know. And then they talk to their doctor and the doctor's like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing or what you did or where, when it started, right? Right. So I think that's, I think that's very interesting. And I also hear this all the time, Rachel, doctors saying, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it rather than actually asking (laughs) what it is you did. I hear that all (laughs) the time. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yes it's true maybe they don't want to hear what's working i'm not sure but yeah you're absolutely right you know uh, yes i suggest giving this a solid go for 10 days and with that blood work you can you can really get a sense for what's going on because you know you can't feel your cholesterol dropping you know i mean i felt amazing after that 10 days or 17 days but i i didn't know my cholesterol had dropped you know so um that blood work that lipid panel will really give you some information that, that will back up how you're feeling, you know, conversely too, in the first three days, you might not be feeling great. If you're giving up, you know, high salt, high sugar, high fat foods that your brain is telling you, Oh, I'm really missing. But getting that data back, will be able to tell you like, Oh yeah, that's, that's something You'll get past. Actually, really amazing things are happening. So, yeah, I had to put a disclaimer in my book too at the beginning because if somebody's on medication for diabetes or blood pressure, in as little as two days, they might need to reduce their medication or sometimes get off it. So, your body really heals so quickly um, when you give it everything it needs and and take away really what it doesn't need. Mm. Well, I
0: mean, I think that I think it's always worth trying, especially but if you are on medication, such a good reminder to all of us not to do this out of the blue, if you are taking beta blockers or or cholesterol medications. Yeah, we want to make sure that someone is there to, uh, to react if we're having a reaction A big um, what and what are those typical um, uh, symptoms would be things like faint faintness. Yeah, yeah,
1: mostly lightheadedness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so So So, you saw it quickly.
0: You also talk about how it might the first couple of days might be uncomfortable if you're suddenly not using food to enjoy your life with things like a fat, high fat, high sugar, high salt. Um, the other good thing about that ten days or doing a kind of a crash course like this is it does give your taste buds a chance to actually respond and kind of enjoy a real whole food which i think sometimes if we do it more gradually our taste buds don't don't get that kind of shock to uh, go, Oh, that's an orange. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yes. And so true. You know, I didn't know until doing research for this, that literally our taste buds change every two weeks, we we have a whole new taste buds. So yeah, that's part of the magic of giving it a solid go for 10 days or two weeks, because you literally have new taste buds to work with. And um, you will experience things like my son did, you know, eating a red pepper and going, Oh, my my gosh, this is so sweet. Where did you get this? You know, and it was no different than the red pepper. I, you know, I, I always buy the same red peppers, but um, they tasted so different. And yeah, after getting off that hyper sweetened, hyper palatable food, um, things like a normal peach in the summer will just blow your mind and your taste buds. It's so sweet. So yes, it really is. It's not that you can't gradually, you know, work your way into eating a vegan diet. Or a plant-based diet, but you really will notice the benefits so much quicker if you if you jump in for for a ten day say or a two week uh, start because things will happen so much faster for you that um, it, it might just help you in the long run.
0: Mm. My my podcast is called Veg Your Best because I do I do agree that a a jump start a ten day a, a veganuary a thirty day I do think these things are probably. I don't know, better, best, faster. Um, But then I find so many of my clients will go, yeah, but I have a wedding to go to or no, no, I'm on vacation. I'm on this. I'm on that. So that this is we'll do this next week, next season after the kids are back in school. (laughs) So tell tell me how you encourage people to use that 10 day program, even if they actually do have real lives going on right now.
1: Yeah, so true. And and it's a great point because um real life does happen, right? So I suggest give it a go for the 10 days and then learn how to keep moving forward in what you're doing. So I don't talk about this being a diet. I talk about it more being a lifestyle because diets are things we start and then we stop, you know, we start them, we get healthy or lose some weight, and then we gain it all back or go back to our old ways of being. So this is really a new way of living, a new way of being in the world so um, after that 10 days you'll probably feel amazing you might be sleeping better feeling better digestion be feeling better all these amazing benefits and and you'll want to take that forward in your life and then there are tricks and tips to learn to employ right like how to eat out at a restaurant um, that maybe doesn't have vegan selections or how to attend a wedding or a dinner where uh, foods you aren't going to be choosing to eat normally now are available um so you know it there's some there's some things to try later on but if you give yourself that start I think you'll really have more of the impetus to to stay with it and like you said then you know after that 10 days if you think okay you know I'm going to pick one thing a week or something, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start my day with a glass of warm lemon water, you know, or I'm going to try and add greens to every meal, you know, this week. Um, picking some of those small actionable steps can be huge and, and create long term change as well. So what is something you have noticed when people
0: are trying to do your your 10 day plan, your sad to happy plan in 10 days? What? What? Um, what do you notice that people are doing that you want to caution them about? What is something I'm sure because, you know, what I find is um, even even for myself, I interpret. <laughs> oh, they said that, but they don't really mean that. <laughs> so where yeah. do you see people doing their own like spin on what you're saying?
1: Yeah, the funniest thing, I mean, a lot of people will come because they're dealing with high cholesterol, or they have some um, markers for heart disease. So a, a lot of people are looking to lose some excess weight. And I think the biggest one is that I tell people, you shouldn't be hungry, eating this way. And most people think um they need to be restricting their calories. And that's just not the case. Eating this way, one of the things, one of my favorite things about eating this way is that you can eat all this wonderful, amazing food and you can eat to satiety, to fullness. And um, you might be eating almost double the amount volume-wise that you used to be eating, but that's really hard for some people to, especially people who have worked at trying to lose weight or restrict calories. It's a whole new way of thinking that, You know, you can have a bowl of soup and if you're still hungry, have another bowl of soup and maybe two hours later, have another bowl of soup. You know, you literally can keep eating um, because it's this whole thing about calorie density. You know, that one piece of pepperoni pizza has a lot more calories uh, than a few bowls of soup and maybe a a healthy burrito, you know, um, and a salad. So you can eat more probably than you're used to eating. And at the same time, excess weight will just be shedding. Um, you won't even have to be thinking about counting calories or macros or micros or vitamins or minerals, any of that.
0: So we are, are instructed to make sure we take care of our B12, Right.
1: Yep. Yep. That's the one supplement really that, um, that anybody who's not eating animal products needs. And you know, that, that comes from bacteria in the soil, right? So we um, aren't eating soil on our plants and our veggies anymore. Um, The only reason we need it from the animals is because when they still eat greens and grass and all of that stuff, they're, they're getting enough of that. So we can just cut out the middleman, and uh, take a vitamin B12, depending on where you live. Some people might suggest vitamin D as well. But um, I tend to go with Dr. McDougall, you know, get outside every day, try to be out in the sunshine if you can, um, for 15 to 20 minutes to to get that vitamin D naturally.
0: Yeah. And that's something um, we don't have to be plant based or vegan to be low on B12 or vitamin D. That's something that right. especially people my age and older uh I'm I'm about to turn 64 a lot apparently a lot of us are low in B12 even if we are eating uh, animal products. So real important. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would assume and I don't know but I would assume that's just because what 97% of Americans aren't eating enough vegetables, right? And only half of us are eating enough fruit. So, you know, it does kind of make sense with with what we're eating as a population. So, your
0: recommendations also are to limit or no oil. Yes. So, tell (laughs) us everything. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this can be a tricky one for people. My mom was one of the biggest people in the beginning, like the Mediterranean diet is so healthy. Um, That's a big one that people always bring up. And yes, I would say the Mediterranean diet is uh, more healthy than the standard American diet. But that's primarily because they eat more vegetables, legumes, whole grains. Um, It's not because because of the fish and the olive oil it's despite those things that the mediterranean diet can be a healthier option um you know for the easiest explanation i say the same reason we don't want to be eating oils this is the same reason we don't pour oil or baking grease down our drains right we all know that clogs drains and basically the same thing happens in our body. So um, oil is a hundred percent fat. And I don't, I don't know a lot of people who are looking to just eat hundred percent fat. Even if you're trying to gain weight, there's healthier ways to be eating that. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to gain weight, h- add more avocados and nuts and seeds and tofu, but um, that oil, that, that 100%, uh, you know, olive oil, let's say a tablespoon is the oil from 50 olives. So, all of the nutrients and uh, fiber and antioxidants, all that stuff has been stripped away and you're just left with the fat. Um, if you want that olive oil, you like olives, then eat olives. You know, most people don't sit down and eat 50 olives, um, but you can. <laughs> That's just fine. Uh, but usually, you know, you might sit down and have eight or 12 or 15 olives, but your body uses that whole olive very differently than if you're just having oil. So oil um, is inflammatory in our bodies. And as we're learning and, and knowing more about what inflammation does in our bodies, we know we don't want to have inflammation. So um, yeah, it, it's not as hard as it sounds on my website. I've got a free printable, downloadable thing that that is a guide to cooking and baking. Without oil. And it's really quite simple. You can just swap out vegetable broth or water if you're sauteing. Um, you can air, still air fry, you know, if you like French fries and that kind of stuff, you can bake things in the oven or uh, air fry things. And if you're baking, the simplest swap is to just use an applesauce instead of a vegetable oil. So it's not as hard as people think. And Um, it's one of the things, a lot of people who have a hard time, who've changed their diet or eating more healthy, um, it's not until they actually give up the oil that they notice the most difference Mm. um, in how they're feeling and how their joints are feeling. A lot of people with arthritis notice a big difference after cutting out dairy. Secondary to that, I think, is is oils. So um, I, I would just offer that people give it a try and see how they feel.
0: We believe you and we want to do that and now we are visiting a friend or we are going out to eat how would you, how would you help us ask for that in another kitchen when it's not our own kitchen
1: good question you know i've i've run the gamut here i have uh, called ahead and said you know i have these dietary restrictions my doctor has advised me to not have this you know and that can work for somebody who wants to take that route. Um, Christopher Karnrick, an amazing um, chef, he, he's printed out little cards that, um, that have a note on there to, to hand to the wait person, that can hand to the chef, that say, you know, here, I, I have heart disease, and here are the things that I can't have. Um, and a lot of people working in a kitchen appreciate that. I've mostly accepted that if I'm going out to a restaurant, that I'm going to have some oil in my food. Um, and And, you know, I I have tried many times and asked a lot of places can't really wrap their head around cooking um, without oil. And so sometimes that's a big ask. So, you know, I mostly don't worry about this if I'm eating out. I don't keep oil in my house. We don't cook anything with oil here. And so I, 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 Mostly just think if I'm going out, I accept there's going to be a little bit of oil in the foods. I'm not going to worry about it then. But um, for those who are being really careful yeah call ahead and ask um or you know scour the menu and see what you can find that maybe is prepared ahead of time without oil you know you can maybe get a baked potato uh or some grains that don't have oil added the other thing I do add is that I I say if things are going to be drizzled oftentimes you know things items are drizzled with olive oil I just say can I have no extra oil added please Um, and that does help
0: yeah, for sure. I always ask that because I I do see that on so many. It looks so lovely, you know. It's yes, just a little bit of glistening anointment. I think as Jamie Oliver used <laughs> to call it. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. so, uh huh. Yeah. And I do think that's a great idea to have something written on hand. I think that's great for all of us. But if we have us, if we are t- really trying to get our cholesterol down, I think that's great because very often i find chefs are fine and i find wait staff are fine but they don't always communicate that well together and i think sometimes wait staff are scared <laughs> of the chef <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. And so, to hand them something saying, "This is our client out in the in the dining room," I think that's a great thing. So there's not a miscommunication. That's awesome. Love love that idea. And I think we should all consider doing that in some way. Um, I I've just been traveling um, quite a bit this spring, and uh, I know the Vegan Society and others um, have lists in different languages. I think you can download on on their site. When you go to Italy or China or Japan, especially countries where where you don't have any familiarity with the language, and such a, such a relief to just know. Well, I did my very level best. I handed it to them in their in their own language. So I think that's yes. a great idea. Uh, Rachel, now talk about in terms of your own family, your own social milieu, Um, I I read in your book, I think I told you it made me laugh, but you said, Okay, what's next? No television, no laughter. So,
1: (laughs) So how what was the reaction you got from your your loved ones? You know, um, it's been varied. Some people jumped on board when they learned new information, you know, and um, were really excited to try new things. And um, other people really dug their heels into what they were doing. You know, it's a very personal Thing, what we eat. And I didn't realize this in the beginning, you know, when we learned all this information and we experienced this incredible change in feeling so good, you know, our numbers changing, uh, all of that, we wanted to tell everybody we knew. And, um, we quickly realized that if we wanted to have friends, we should probably, uh, change our methods because, um, yeah, it it can be tricky, but you know, my dad is in the early stages of Alzheimer's. His father had Alzheimer's and, um, and they've made some significant changes, um, which has been very helpful. Um, my father-in-law is in year three of brain cancer. They weren't able to get his entire tumor. Um, but they changed their diet very strictly. I mean, they're more strict than we are they won't eat oil you know out um and he hasn't had any growth in his tumor and this is a montana cowboy who used to cut the fat off his steak to eat it so um it was a huge change but you know they've they've had amazing benefits from this so i've really seen that when people are um open to trying it and whether that's you know we bring some food to share and they try it and they go oh this is as bad as I thought, or, you know, they have a brownie and go, that was a sweet potato brownie. I I didn't know. I couldn't tell Um, whether it's that route or they experience benefits themselves. um, You know, usually people will jump on board, maybe not entirely or for a long period of time, but um, for the most part, you know, they're, they're accommodating, which is nice. And for friends that aren't, you know, we just offered to bring, you know, some people want to keep eating what they're eating and that's okay too. We're not out to change everybody's mind if they're not open to something, but, um, we've just found it easiest to say, we'll bring something to share and we've learned to double what we bring because often if it's a gathering of people, our food will be gone before we get to it because people want to try delicious food that is, you know, beautiful, has all these colors in it, you know, if we're adding a lot of fruits and vegetables, which we usually are. Um, it, it looks palatable and then they taste it and they really enjoy it. So um yeah offering some options for people to try is really helpful and just being a gracious guest. You know, when we started we did not we didn't say like we're never going to eat this. If we go to somebody's house and they prepare us whatever, we will eat it. We will be a good guest. But we were really shocked at how amazing our friends and family were when they knew we were doing this. Many of them would say well can you give me a recipe that I, what, what should I make? You know, and they wanted to try. So um, that, that was really, uh, really nice to to have that. And and we've just continued that experience and many friends and family have transitioned to eating this way a hundred percent. So it makes it really easy um, to get together, which is, which is a fun benefit. Well, it sounds
0: like you have a very evolved group of family and friends. I think that's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> because I, do, I, have, I have some right. clients who often feel like, I am the only person and they feel very not just restricted but they feel very punished. I'm yes. the only person who has to eat this way. And they're I I always think well first of all you don't have to eat this way. You're choosing to because you think there's some value to yourself. But um but we are so I think conditioned that food is friends and love and it should be easy. And we have a lot of rules that we've rightly or wrongly developed around around foods. So remind us again how we can. um, Well, what I love about your book is there's so many um, notes, so many citations of actual science. So Mm -hmm. how do we help remember this when we're feeling a little bit like I'm the only one who has to eat this way?
1: Yeah, that's a big one. I, I think for myself and for people I consult with, I think, honestly, having those reminders and whatever works for you, you know, whether it's reading, picking a book every month to read, watching documentaries, you know, now after COVID, there's so many online organizations. If you don't have an organization or a or a club or a pod near you, um, you know, you can hop online. Whole Communities is one through the the Center for Nutrition Studies. It's a worldwide organization. There's thousands of people on there, but you can hop on and join other people who are trying to do this, um, and you can feel like you're part of a community. Because you're right. Oftentimes, we are the lone person in the room, um, you know, trying to eat this way. And um, yeah, sometimes people aren't open to having any conversation, or they don't even want to hear why you're doing it. Right? Like they might ask a question, but they really are just looking to tell you why you're wrong or why paleo is the best thing or whatever. So, um, you know, choosing your battles too is a big one. So, you know, kind of shoring yourself up with resources and learning new information, you know, like I said, reading books, watching documentaries, those have been some of the most helpful things to feel like you're not in this alone when maybe, you know, at the moment, you might be the only person in the room doing this, but you know that there are, people out there. There's a wider community of people who are waking up to the facts about um, how we're eating and and what it's doing to the planet and to our health.
0: That's such a that's that's a good reminder. I always say that um, my mentors uh, in, in my vegan journey were were podcasts, so many podcasts that I listened to. And I had previously listened to a lot of cooking podcasts and food history podcasts. And at one point when I was kicking this around i was like yeah but i don't want to be listening to the history of animal products and foods i understand that's our history our traditions i want to crowd that out and i started looking for some and boy it makes such a difference when you start crowding out just the way we can uh dr gregor you who you mention often yes. he says crowd out the animal products with plants you can also crowd out the kind of nor- normalizing voices about how we have maybe eaten traditionally. I think we could argue that most of us didn't have 500 years ago access to this amount of fat, cheese, meat, right? this kind of meat. Um, so, But anyway, I think that's so great. Let's look for ways that we can feel a little more connected when we're making decisions that still feel a little bit a little bit hard. Now, do you find it hard now? Ever?
1: You know, I, I really don't because um, I, I just the benefits outweigh any struggle. I've experienced that, you know, we're 13 years in my kids are now 19 and 21. They're away at different states at colleges and and they eat this way. Um, because they choose to. And, you know, to me watching that process of having young kids who were, you know, in school, um, middle school was tough. It, it just like, I, I kind of think we're all big middle schoolers as adults, you know, sometimes we deal with the same thing, wanting to fit in or not wanting to stand out. But, um, you know, as time has gone on, and as we reap all the benefits uh, of of eating this way of living this way, I, I wouldn't trade it. So, you know, everyone once in a while, you know, a, a salty chip looks really good. Um, but for the most part, you know, these days, tempting things that used to be really tempting aren't that tempting anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I think anybody can do it. Um, it's really some of the ideas that people have as to why they can't do it. Um those just really probably aren't true if they give it a go. You know, a lot of the things that people say to me, like, well, I don't I don't have extra money to do this. It's going to be more expensive. I need to live near Whole Foods and I don't have one nearby. You know, it's just not true. You're going to actually save money doing this. You know, once you get rid of the meat and the cheese and the sour cream and ice cream and, and oil, you know, those are the most expensive things in your grocery cart. So you can fill your grocery cart with all these other grains, fruits, legumes, even cashews or macadamia nuts, you know, expensive nuts that you probably didn't use to buy. um, And you'll still come out ahead. Um, So things like that, things like, well, I don't have the time to do this, you know, I mean, it's not going to take you any more time than what you're already doing. Um, So so kind of getting over some of those initial hurdles really help in the long term to to keep you on track. Yeah. And I, I,
0: all new things take up a little extra bandwidth because we have yes. dialed in. We have been feeding ourselves for years, decades, whatever. And uh, we we know exactly how to feed ourselves. Now, yes. it might not be great, but we've figured it out. And so now we're supposed to put the brakes on, read a label, maybe, you know, try a different preparation. That's, you know, it does take a little more bandwidth. Um, You're right. So, I and I'm I'm actually I'm actually um telling you that I agree with you, and <laughs> it just yes. needs a little time sometimes to get. And it sounds so much more daunting than it is. And yes. I agree with you. If you're starting to feel better, or even just see some blood work change in in ten days or two weeks, that hopefully is enough to give you a little bit more um a little more uh, encouragement that to keep with it.
1: Yes. And I should clarify, you're right in the beginning, like you said, all new things have a learning curve, right? So yes, you'll need to carve out a little extra time to look up some new recipes or to spend a little extra time in the early days, you know, when you're shopping to learn to read labels and, and all of that. But quickly, those things will become second nature. And once you start doing things like batch cooking, you know, learning some of these tricks and tips that make eating really easy. I, I would argue that in the long run, you'll be saving yourself some time and energy. Um, but yes, give give yourself a little time. I mean, think of it as a new hobby or um, something new that you're, you're deciding to embark on. Yeah. And um, it's an exciting thing rather than a daunting thing.
0: Well, now back to your kids, because I think so many people say, yeah, I could probably get my husband on board, <laughs> but there's <laughs> no way my kids are ever gonna put up with this. So your kids, you have raised them up to college age now, what has been helpful for them? Um, Because they've obviously been in situations, lots of situations where the food that was around them was not whole food, plant-based, or definitely not low oil. (laughs) So (laughs) so what was helpful to them in um, staying with that?
1: yeah well I would say the number one thing was the benefits they noticed right because you're right they were often in more of um you know more tempting situations even than my husband and I because you know when you're at school at the lunch cafeteria after school hanging out with friends all of that um primarily involves a whole lot of junk food or processed foods um um, and, um, but once they felt better, it was easier to say, you know, no, I, I really won't feel good if I eat that food. So um yeah, I'll bring my own or they would have some and then they would, uh, be reminded through their stomach or through acne or whatever. And they would go, Oh yeah, I, I just don't want to do this. And a funny thing started happening. You know, those junior high years are rough, um, eating differently and, and being made fun of and all of that. But then in high school, something switched and they, their friends who'd been watching, you know, all of a sudden it was like a cool thing to do. And they would ask like, well, well, what is that? Can I try some, you know? Um, and several of their friends have made the switch as well. So, um, Um, Yeah, I think I think that's part of that, you know, giving it a solid go, really noticing the benefits. um, It makes it a little bit easier than to to say no to the temptations. You know, we also did some things in the beginning, like we had enzymes. So if they were going to a birthday party where it was going to be, you know, cheese, pizza and Mm -hmm. cake, that we would say, well, do you want to take an enzyme? Later doing the certification for the plant-based nutrition, I, I did research on that and they really don't do that much. They're probably more of a placebo, but, um, you know, I, I tell a story of my son, you know, I dropped him off one time. I said, do you want to take an enzyme? So your stomach doesn't hurt if you eat pizza at this pizza party. And he said, no, because if I have one piece, uh, that's it. I, I'll just eat that. But if I take an enzyme, then I'll, I'll think I can eat more. So I'll just, and I was blown away because I didn't have that kind of, uh, reserve or I I wasn't that strong. So kids are amazingly resilient. And the other thing with kids is they don't have as much time in, they don't have as much emotional connection, I think, to food as many adults, you know, so when they learn something, when they see that cartoon video of the orangutan who doesn't have a habitat anymore. Anymore because the palm oil has been you know we need palm oil and so they're raising the the habitat of the orangutan to to grow palm oil when they see that something in them really changes and it's it's much easier it seems like for kids than to say well then forget it no I'm not going to eat that um, and they do a really good job at sticking with things for um, personal reasons where adults I think we have a little more of the the taste still um, that can outweigh that, that common sense or override that new information. But, um, but we all can do better when we learn more. I think that's so true. And I
0: think also when we fail at something, when something doesn't go that well, um, I think it's such a value. A lot of us will go, oh, forget it. I I, I dropped the ball. I failed. I, you talk about this in your book a little bit too, but this is, there's so much to be learned from a failure. Maybe when you're in this situation, you need more. So you're at your mother-in-law's house or you're with friends or you're, you're traveling. Where is it hard? Then we can always make a plan for that. Or you can even kick it down the road a bit and go, you know what? In that case, I'm not going to be as. Um, uh, conscientious on my either ethical choices or my my health choices in this situation, because I don't have that figured out yet. And I think you talk about, you were so changed by the China study. Your book is, is kind of a China study light. It's like a little bit like <laughs> we have the kind of the bet, the highlights, but we have, it, it kind of comes into our house a little bit more, how we can actually function with it. It was, I I'm guessing that was your hope.
1: It was honestly, you know, because I, I kept handing out the China study to people, you know, going, Oh, my gosh, read this book. And half the people or more would hand it back to you. Well, thank you. But no, I, I don't have time to read. That I don't anymore. need a doorstop. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So my goal in writing it was to write the book that I wish I would have had 13 years ago when we started out and in talking and working with young families many of them said I, I don't have time to read books anymore you know or I just read blogs or listen to podcasts or whatever so um so I my idea was to make it as short and sweet and easily digestible pun intended <laughs> um to, as as could be so that there was the why and the how but really in a in a snippet kind of form so that I, I do hope that people will go back and read the China study and, you know, read all these seminal works. But for many people who maybe wouldn't have picked up a book otherwise, I'm I'm hoping that this will be that first step in. Um, and yeah, the audiobook is four hours long. So it, it's a it's a really quick and simple read. But I'm, I'm hoping to give people just what they need to get going.
0: And let's say the title of it again, For Forks Sake.
1: <laughs> yep. For Forks Sake. I looked
0: to see whether you had an audio book because uh, I, I was reading it fast and then I was like, yeah. well, that'll take actually longer for me to listen to it now. So,
1: <laughs> but I <laughs> yeah, love, yeah. I
0: love audio, audio books. I love it. And did you, did you read it? Cause I didn't get a chance I to listen did. to it.
1: I did. Yeah. Now, so
0: tell me about that. Was that fun <laughs> or was that horrible?
1: <laughs> you know, initially I thought there's no way I don't like hearing my voice on an answering machine, you know, but, um, as I talked with the sound engineer, you know, people said, it's really more fun. It's fun to hear your own work in your own voice. And I have to say it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought. So I ended up having a really great time doing it. And and I'm glad I I recorded it.
0: So did you go to I'm just curious, did you go to a studio? Or did you do it in your home?
1: I went to a studio. And um, this was, you know, what second year of COVID. So um yeah, I, I, had all the information to like, you know, make one of my closets a sound thing. And I just thought, I I don't want to do that. Um, I'm not real techie. So um, there was a sound engineer up the road. And um, then I had somebody in Colorado that put it all together. So uh, it's possible to do this all spread out and all of that.
0: (laughs) So the um, I also I prefer when the author does the um, does the reading, I think that's so much better. It's almost never unless someone has really a hard time doing it it's it, it's always better I think now so yeah. you were recently at the vegan women's Summit in in Brooklyn New York um that's where I learned a little bit more about you because I wasn't there but my colleague Nancy was there um who who takes care of all the back end stuff here in my coaching um tell me what did you learn what was great what was uh, what are you looking forward to for the next one what will you go to another one tell me everything.
1: Yeah. You know, it was wonderful meeting Nancy. She was terrific. Um, uh, this was my first vegan women's summit, and um, and it was really fascinating. I would say. I mean, first of all, very exciting that there were what over eleven hundred people. It wasn't all women. Uh, my husband attended. There were there were many men there, um, but so exciting that there are that many people excited and um, energized, really, to learn more and to spread information. And and so many entrepreneurs. Really, I didn't realize. Um, how many entrepreneurs were going to be there, um, all these, you know, burgeoning businesses and everything from this boots, you know, rather than, uh, plastic boots instead of leather to, um, to plant-based honey. Um, and then everything in between, you know, cheeses and meats and oysters and sushi grade tuna. I mean, so there were all these, um, Very interesting products. And um, that really, I think that was the hardest part for me, honestly, um, was thinking about You know, at the end of the second day, I was really just wanting a salad with some vegetables because we had all these foods to try, but they were primarily fake meats, you know, Mm -hmm. or fake cheeses. And I understand that um, we're trying to help people who might not otherwise, you know, go straight to a salad or a veggie hummus sandwich. Um, But I have a hard time having worked with people now for a few years in this space with some of these transition foods because sometimes people use them in the beginning, but then that beginning becomes the norm and they never transition away from these foods. So I understand that for the planet, for the animals, yes, a hundred percent, you know, um, these meat alternatives, cheese alternatives are fantastic. But um, from the health standpoint, I, I don't see them being a long-term solution. So, um, so that was just interesting to notice, you know, I do hope that schools would move from a chicken sandwich or chicken nuggets to a plant-based chicken nugget or chicken sandwich, but then I hope they would move to a black bean burger, you know, or something else that would provide not only benefit to the planet, um, but to kids health and all of our health as well. So, um, but fantastic speakers, fantastic people doing amazing work in in the spaces that they're in. So um, really fun to meet some um, women lifestyle medicine doctors who are changing their practices in ways um, that are really unheard of. You know, people are are really wanting to help others make changes, and so it was really fun just to get to meet people who are busy doing that. You know, the the mayor of New York, Eric Adams. Um, and his assistant Rachel—they're doing terrific things. You know, they've they've gone to um, no no animal products in meals twice a week in New York City schools. Um, they've introduced healthy food, plant-based food, as the number one option in hospitals, in New York City hospitals. So if you have surgery and you come out, your first option for a meal is a plant-based meal. Mm. Your second option for a meal is also a plant-based meal. And if you still want meat or cheese, that would be your third option, and you can pay extra for that. Mm. So this is just amazing Um amazing work, really, and making such a big difference in so many people's lives. So really fun to get to meet with um, some like minded individuals. Well, I hope to be there next year. I just was triple booked this year. And so that,
0: <laughs> I missed my my college reunion, my 40th college reunion, and the vegan women's summit. But uh, anyway, so I, and I totally agree with you. Uh, I there is a lot of fun food coming out of the vegan and plant based movement. And it's not the food I want to be spending my time with. And I very often that's my only argument with happy cow is when I go on happy cow to look for vegan options, I get deluged with like, cafes and bakeries and donuts. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I I just want somewhere where I can eat like vegetables. (laughs)
1: Right, right. Well, and I told my husband, you know, the second day when I just wanted a salad, I was like, why can't there just be fruits and vegetables, you know, and he's like, that would be a farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's not multimillion dollar businesses, startups for farmers markets, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's the whole thing, like, we're going to have to work within this system and figure out how we can make this work and how we can spread this news. Because, yeah, if it's just going to be more expensive products or plant, kind of product, food products, ultra processed products, then we're not going to really help ourselves sustainably, I don't think. So so we're gonna have to find ways to, um, to bring more of that into this space, I think.
0: That's a good point. And it's also why sometimes people think that being vegan, being plant based is going to be more expensive for them. Yes, it's not just another opportunity to sell people packaged things. So yeah. yeah, It, I think I think this is this is I think the long range the uh the tension in the community is going to be um sustainable and healthy and ethical um it's just I'm just glad we've got this this perfect storm of it coming from every angle so and and money's behind it so we'll have to try to funnel that money
1: into the right things like farmers market. like big broccoli right Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the women on a panel, um, she was from Impossible Foods. And she was saying, you know, as more companies come into the space, you know, they started with an ingredient list of 17 or 19 ingredients, right? And then somebody came out with a seven ingredient, um, product. And so she said, you know, we had to do our work and get down to that. So, um, you know, it's not that it's not possible. It's what we're going to be demanding and what we're going to be asking. And, um, you know, back to that, Oil thing that nobody wants to to um, do, uh, you know. A lot of these products have so much oil. There's so much unhealth in in these products, and they're really not food products. So you know, the more consumers demand healthy things that taste good, we know we can make them because we can make them in our homes, and um, it's not that far of a stretch to to have some of these items in the grocery store that are good for the planet, good for animals, and good for us. So we just need to continue to demand it with what we're choosing to purchase.
0: Now, uh, for Fork's sake, the book also has some recipes. It's not, I wouldn't call it in general a cookbook, but there are some good standard uh recipes. Why don't you tell us like one or two of them before before we close up so people can be like, "Oh, I need to learn how to make that."
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um Jeff Novick, a wonderful dietitian who actually worked um in uh some big food uh stuff before transitioning himself. Um he said I could use his longevity soup recipe, which is one of the easiest and best things I think I can recommend for people. Um it can be a meal, it can be an hors d'oeuvre, it can be, you know, a dessert really I mean, you can make a big pot of this soup for, you know, eight-year-olds can make it. I mean, you really, it's not hard to make. Um, it's really great for you. And um, that's a super recipe to just put in your rotation and to, to have on hand. Um, for kids, if you have kids in your life, or if you yourself love desserts, um, I've got a, a peanut butter ball recipe. It doesn't have to be peanut butter. It can be any nut butter that you enjoy. But um, that's great for athletes, you know, we'll freeze them and stick them in bag to take on a long bike ride um those can be wonderful as well and then um macaroni and not cheese that was a big one too and also not just for kids you know you can make this like a veggie bake and it's terrific people of all ages really love it so yeah there are just a few um recipes to get you going in the book and then on my website i have a few more um there's so many amazing cookbooks out there these days with uh just mind blowing plant based recipes, Um, as well as, you know, Google, you can type in, you know, whole food, plant based, no oil, lemon meringue pie, and you'll have 1000s of recipes pop up, if not millions these days. So um, yeah, it's got a few to get you going.
0: That's great. That's great. So I'm going to I'm going to respect your time and, and let you go. But we're all going to be looking for For Forks Sake, the book by Rachel Brown. And your website is also for Forks dot com, right? Dot com. Yeah. For book.com. dot com. Book dot com. Well, all the all the yep. links will be in um, the show notes. And I really appreciate you having kind of um, distilled so much of the this big science and the big issues into something so readable and something so shareable. And thank you for being on Veg Your Best, Rachel.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: So. So, what did you think of Rachel? I mean, I think Rachel's enthusiasm is obvious, right? In person and definitely in her book, For Fork's Sake, Rachel breaks down the science behind the whole foods plant-based diet into easy, actionable steps for families, right? Real families who are made up of people. I don't know about your family. My family is made up with people who have a variety of different not just tastes and interests, but priorities. What they need from food. There are times in your life when you just need to fuel yourself. There are times in your life when you really want to enjoy food. Uh, there's different times, and we um, we need to we need to navigate all these when we're working with our families and trying to get them to eat something a little healthier, a little more whole, and low oil. Now, sometimes I know that some of us in this plant-based vegan community can come across well kind of as drill sergeants you know suck it up buttercup change everything about the way you eat today but Rachel's approach I think is very supportive and uh, I like the way she wants you to know that dietary changes don't have to be overwhelming it doesn't have to be all or nothing today in small steps can lead to big, big, big changes over time, and for goodness' sake, if you think that the whole food plant-based lifestyle is no fun, I know, I know, some of you say that. I know you do. You should check out the videos on Rachel's Instagram. Uh, her Instagram page is also called For Forks' Sake Book, and Rachel shares a recent trip. I mean, just very, very recent trip uh, to France. She was cycling and eating and eating and cycling, and the photos are gorgeous. So be sure to check out Rachel's Instagram, For Forks Sake Book, and also her website, which is called Forksakebook.com. and sign up for that free plant based substitution guide to get more information on her personalized coaching. And of course, all the links are always in the show notes. Okay, my veggie bestie, thanks for being here. Stay cool. Unless you're down in the uh, other other hemisphere, stay stay cozy. And uh, I'll see you next week. But until then, veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe leave us a five-star review or share with someone you think might be interested something about algorithms it helps bump us up a little in the rankings and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience so until next week make it easy and veg your best